Okay, let's quickly start off again. Looks a little bit like a continuation, but we really want to finish the last verse of uh, scripture we read, or we're dealing with relation to Romans chapter 14, verse uh, 17 and 18. Romans 14, 17 and 18. Then the word said, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says, he that serveth Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved of men. Amen. So that is the part we want to deal with tonight. First of all, like we've been dealing with, the issue of the kingdom is not meat and drink. It's already clear to us that it's not talking about food as it were. Because I have nothing very specific to do with God's kingdom. Check that out in 1 Corinthians 8 verse 8. We know that it's not the issue of food we're dealing with. Paul wasn't concerned really about food. That is not the issue. It has to do with the religion of the Jewish people that was much more involved with the issue of meat and drink based on the book of Leviticus and all of that. Amen? But God's kingdom, to be able to please God, the Bible says has to do with righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And these are the things we've been dealing with. But this evening we're dealing with the last verse, which has to do with the verse 18. For he that is in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. It means you can worship God to the point where you get men approval and God acceptance. But he said there are three things you need to work with. Okay? There are three things you need to walk with and you can gain God's acceptance and the approval of men. And that is God's righteousness, God's peace, and God's joy. And like we've already established, righteousness we're talking about is not religious righteousness, it's God's righteousness. And we know the Bible tells us precisely, uh, God has made him our righteousness. God has made Christ our own righteousness. Amen? So it's not the righteousness based on the law. It's not the righteousness based on any traditional uh, method or formula. Then we talk about the peace of God as the peace that passes all understanding. No circumstance can affect this peace that we are talking about. It is the peace that is given to us by Christ himself. And we have already illustrated that, that Christ demonstrated his peace when the storm was with them on the sea as they were crossing over. With the apostles or the disciples. Okay. And we also talk about the joy. Where the Bible keeps saying rejoice. And I say do what? Rejoice. And always rejoice. In other words, no circumstance can affect the joy that is given to us through the Holy Spirit. And so, uh, like we have already established that in John 17. Jesus made that very clear. When he said that the joy that I am giving unto you is not the type of joy that the world gives. And no man can take the joy from you. Amen. So, that is all that. Now, the Bible is saying if you serve in Christ, 
or you're serving Christ, mind you, I'm going to explain that. If you're serving Christ in these things, what things? Righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Spirit. You have God's acceptance and you're going to have the approval of men. Hallelujah. Now, for instance, let's get, let's get something right here. Matthew 16. Matthew 16, I think uh, this should be verse 17 or so. Um, from right, let me see if I can just quickly bring it out there. Uh, remember when the question came, Matthew 16, and it says, Who do men say that I am? Remember the, the, the question? Okay, fine. And uh, we are told, in fact, the question he asked, he didn't say, who do, who, who, who do, say, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? Who do men say? All right? Hallelujah. Are you there with me? So, now, that's how this, uh, I keep saying this. You, you don't serve God and say, you don't care what people say. No, 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 no. It's a wrong philosophy. See, there is a place for suffering for righteousness sake. There is a place for being persecuted for what you believe, for instance. Yes, there is nothing wrong about that. But to say you live a callous life and you say, I don't care what men say, then it simply means you have no understanding. You need to care what men say. And if you truly think you can carry the gospel and reach people and touch the lives of people, then you're definitely going to care about what men say. Reason is simple. You will first be accepted before your gospel is accepted. It's like you are a teacher in the class. You see, when the people do not have a relationship in form of acceptance with the teacher, it's difficult for them to receive his subjects. The same thing. If you, in your attitude, because sometimes people want to think this way. Now, that's a little bit of digression, but I think it's also important. Some of the people can be callous with addressing and they say, well, I'm not defined by what I put on. That is not true. You are defined by what you put on. Because it's from the abundance of the heart that your action is revealed. Is that okay? And uh, I remember sometimes we were discussing this and then somebody mentioned the book of Samuel to me when David was to be anointed. And then uh, God said, God does not look on the outward appearance. No, that's deception. What God was speaking to Samuel about was this. You saw the height of this man. You saw the size of this man. And you felt because of his size, because of his height, he could be the king of Israel. But he doesn't have the heart of a shepherd like David. So it's like making Saul a king and Saul who turned the whole of Israel upside down. It's the same thing. You want to make the son of Jesus the biggest boy, the king. Because you're looking at his size. I don't look at his size. I can take a small man who had a shepherd heart and make him a king. That's what God was saying. He wasn't talking about the dressing of a holy heart. So you can't be callous in the street and say, I don't care because I'm not defined by my dressing and God doesn't look on the inward, he look on the outward or whatever. No, 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 that's wrong. Look at what Jesus said there. Who do men say that I am? What people say about you matters, whether you believe it or not. Is that Okay. Very important. So, and that is the point. I, I remember some years back, I preached a message. I was saying three questions you must answer. Who do men say you are? 
Who do your followers say you are? Because remember, after this, he asked them the question, Who do you say I am? After he asked them, Who do men say? Who do you say I am? And then when they went to John, in the book of John, they asked him the question, Who are you that we may tell the Pharisees who sent us? So there are three questions you must answer in your life as a human being. Who am I? You must find out your grace. You must find out who you are. Number two, what do men say? Or who do, what do people say about me? Very important. You need to know that we're able to restructure your life. Who do my followers say I am? You need to know the evaluation that your followers have about you. You can't escape those three questions in life if you really want to live out the life of acceptance and approval of God and men. You can't escape it. Hallelujah. And those things goes about, goes to touch your character, your attitude, your appearance, everything put together. They are important. Amen? So, we're talking about the approval of men. Okay. So, Jesus asked about this question. When he asked this question, he wasn't simply going to say, who do the religious people say I am? He said, who do men say that I am? It was a general question. He wasn't targeting it to his, a group of people. Is that okay? So, for instance, you can say, well... My church approves my lifestyle. Okay? And people outside doesn't approve my lifestyle. It makes no difference. It does make a difference. The question didn't say, who do the religious people say I am? He said, who do men generally say I am? Hallelujah. Okay. Are we together? Alright. So now, back to Romans chapter 14 and verse number 18. For he that is in these things having cried is acceptable to God and approved of men. What are those things we said before? Righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost. Amen? Alright. So the man, whether you're a Jew, whether you're a believer, whether you're a Christian, and let me tell you something here. There are people who can accept to walk in this light and yet they are not truly in the church. They can still get God approval. Is that okay? Hallelujah. So whoever you are, if you can walk in God's righteousness, if you can walk in the peace of God, if you can walk in the joy of God, as empowered by the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, you can have the approval of God and the acceptance of men. Now, I want you to know the word serveth Christ in these things. He that serveth Christ in these things. Your sacrifice through what? Righteousness, peace, and joy. Hallelujah. He that served Christ in these things. You know the word? He that believes in Christ, accept his teachings, accept his doctrines, and walk in this threefold dimension, we have the acceptance of God and the approval of men. Now I'm going to give you at least two characters in the Bible. What the Bible say, God, the approval of men and the acceptance of God. Amen? And I'll give you about two keys that you can walk with to be able to come to that dimension. But again, the word servant here is very important. It's actually from the Greek word drolion, which means a bond servant, a bond slave. It's a person who keeps serving as a slave. Right? Now you can see why sometimes Paul will write and he said, the bond servant of Jesus Christ. Have you read something before? Good. The bond servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, continuous service. Now, 
If you take time to go to the book of Exodus, time will not permit us to do that. You find that if a man has a slave, and uh, maybe the period the slave was supposed to serve is over, and the slave need to go. And the slave said, no, I don't want to go. I want to stay on. What they do is they take you to the door of the house and they pierce your ears with an awl. So, what you've, what you've just done or what has just happened is you're going to remain a slave to that individual perpetually all the days of your life. And if you take the book of Psalm, you find that David was saying the same thing. You bore my ear with an awl. By implication, I've chosen to be a servant of the Lord perpetually. Is that okay? That is what we call a bond slave. And the man whose ear has also been bored through is a man who can hear God. So when you come to the place of being a slave of God, you actually come into the place where you can actually hear your master. Because then you are a sheep. Hallelujah. So we are talking about, remember what we are saying, he that serveth Christ in these things. Serveth. He that is a slave of Christ in righteousness, in peace, in joy, is acceptable to God and approved of men. Are you catching this? So the word servant is very important. So the question is how are you serving Christ? Have you accepted to walk as a slave in the righteousness of Christ? In the peace of Christ? In the joy of Christ? That's the question. If you've come to that level, if you can truly appreciate that in your spirit as a conscious life, lifestyle in that sense, then you're going to get God's approval and the acceptance of men. Hallelujah. So when is it acceptable to God? This is not the man that has just a form of godliness, but it's a man who is a born slave of who? Of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. He has a very spirit at the essence of Christ. Because you see, every, every servant must be as his master. We proved that last week, I'm sure. Remember that? Every servant must be as his master. So if you're truly becoming a slave of Jesus, and so that's why you can find on the First Corinthians 11, Paul will say, Be ye imitators of me, even as I'm the imitator of who? Of Christ. Get that. We tried to establish that. I think it was on Sunday we preached the message of that. Remember that. Hallelujah. Amen. So that's the point. If you become a servant of Christ, a born slave of Jesus, of course you're going to carry the very virtues and the excellence of Jesus Christ. Now get it right. He says the light of the world. Did the Bible say, say so? If Jesus is the light of the world, what did he say in the book of mind you about you? He said, ye are also what? The light of the world. Whatever he is, that is what we are. Praise the living God. So, in serving in righteousness in the dimension, the Christ we're talking about, you have the very spirit and essence of it, in having righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit, and therefore, the whole frame of his mind, as well as his act, must be acceptable to God, because you are exact replica of the Christ that is not seen. You molded a Christ that is not seen. You are the image of the invisible Christ. In that sense. It's just like you find in Hebrews chapter 1. Where the Bible talks about Christ being the express image. And the very 
perfect person of who? Of God himself. The God that cannot be seen was modeled by, by Jesus Christ. Now the Jesus that cannot be seen ought to be modeled by you. Amen? Hallelujah. Okay. And the next thing he said is approved of men. Now it is true that a true worshiper can be persecuted. There is no, no two ways about that. Yet the righteous man who is continually laboring for the public good will be generally as esteemed. Listen, even if the man is not a believer, for instance, we once had one Abiola in this country. How many of you have heard about Abiola before? All right. And you know how much and how far Abiola went in trying to assist people, assist the poor. Building churches for Christians, building mosques for Muslims. Somebody said, well, he did all of that because of political ambition. Well, I don't know. But all I know, he did all of that. Build library for universities and things like that. A lot of things he did. Okay? Even those from, I mean, across the nation, not just in Yoruba land. Now, everybody was talking about him. Am I right? He got the approval of men. That's exactly what I'm saying. When you use your life to serve humanity, you are going to get men's approval. And I'll make you see from scriptures how Jesus lived his life. Often you say that. Who went about doing good? Doing good to, to animals? Hallelujah. He got the Holy Ghost and he went about doing what? Doing good to humanity. Is that not true? Therefore he got human approval, if you like. Men approved him. Religion persecuted him, but men approved him. Okay, we come to that. Praise the living God. So he will labor generally for humanity. Would definitely get human approval. No two ways about that. And that's part of the vision of God and even Christ. You know why? Because God so loved the world, he gave. Meaning he labored for mankind. Is that okay? He gave his holy begotten son. Now, let me say this. A consigned believer must not in any true sense insist on his right conduct. What, what I'm trying to say is this. You don't praise your people to behave like you. But people can behave like you when they see who you are. Did you, did you understand what I'm talking about? You, you can see Christ telling people, you have to be like me, or do this and that. No, 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 no. He simply will always point them to God. There is something that flows into your life that transforms your character to become like the spirit that you are receiving. Hallelujah. Are you done with me? Hallelujah. I want you to understand. In other words, it is better you bring people into the place of harmony, the place of peace, the place of joy, rather than forcing them into your own lifestyle. Amen? Your goal in life should not be to make people behave the way you want, but to make them live in peace and what? And harmony. Praise the living God. The Sermon on the Mount, which is supposed to be the kingdom principles, 
Matthew chapter 5 down to 7. You will not in any way, uh, in a sense, begin to see Christ describing himself in that sense. You always say, learn of me. Is that okay? In book for Matthew. Learn of me. My yoke is easy. And things like that. That may find rest to your soul. But if you see the whole of that, it's a description of who a child of God is supposed to be. Praise the living God. All right. Anyway, you soon catch what I'm trying to say. But the key thing is this. God intends you to make people to live in harmony, to live in peace, to live in joy. That's the real thing that's what you're supposed to do. So, and that is part of you being a born slave of who? Of Jesus Christ. Praise the living God. All right. Okay, now, let me, I'm going to be a little bit fast tonight. The Jewish people themselves, they always believe this. That a man who has a consciousness of the law and lives by the law, we have the acceptance of God and the approvers of men. They believe that, the Jewish people. Is that okay? Now, if you translate that to your own worship, it simply means two. If you truly can live out the righteousness of God. Now, who is the righteousness of God? Is Christ himself. Is that okay? If you can come to the place of grace and say, well, I can't be righteous on my own. I have nothing to do to become righteous. I can simply accept God's own righteousness. And you walk in that consciousness. The Bible made us understand you can have God's acceptance and the approval of men. Uh, I remember giving an illustration here sometime. You remember the Bible tells us about two people who went to pray. Remember that? Two persons who went to pray. One of them said, hey man, you know how much I used to fast three times a day, pray very loud, pay my tithe. He was quoting to God what he used to do religiously. The other man simply said, God, have mercy on me. The poor sinner, I don't know anything. The Bible even tells us he can hardly look up. It's like saying, he was ashamed of himself. But Jesus said, that same man walked home, what? Justified. What he was saying is, I can accept the sacrifice of Jesus in place of a religious activity. Amen? And so as far as God is concerned, he's accepted. Because God is not going to accept anything from you other than the sacrifice of Jesus. Nothing. There is nothing you can do to qualify for God's acceptance other than accepting His own sacrifice which He has offered. Nothing. Your sin can only be forgiven because He accepts His own lamb. Praise the Lord. Are you still there? Okay. Now, let me make this statement. You can write it down. The purpose of grace in your life is not for yourself. But the public good of others. The purpose of grace in your life is not for yourself, but for the public good of others. No matter the anointing you carry, no matter how highly placed you think you are, or God has raised you, He never raised you for yourself, He raised you because of other people. Praise the Lord. Are you there? So the purpose of grace in your life is not for yourself, but for the public good of what? Of other people. For other people. Now let's look at that. Act chapter 10. 
Acts chapter 10. I'm reading verse 38 alone. The Bible says, How God, Jesus of Nazareth, with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healed all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Hallelujah. He went about doing what? Doing good. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. Who went about, that's what I want you to know, who went about doing good. The purpose of the anointing in his life was to do good to the rest of humanity. It was not for himself. Listen, whatever grace you carry can bring wealth to you, but it is not meant to make wealth. Does that make sense to you? You are not anointed to make wealth. But anointing can bring weight to you. The purpose of your anointing or grace is for the sake of humanity. Not for your sake. Not even for your immediate family. Did you get that? You know, David made this statement. Remember, I think in the book of Chronicles, when he said, Now I realize that God has made me king because of Israel. Not because of Jesus' house. Not because of Jesus' house. The grace upon your life is not because of your immediate family in the true sense. It's because of humanity primarily. That is not to say your immediate family can be denied. No. But the goal is humanity. Hallelujah. Are you there with me? Jesus was not anointed for the house of Mary and Joseph. Was he having other relations? He had. Remember that? He was a firstborn. There were other children. The anointing was not for his family. He went about, the Bible says, doing good. And nearly all that were oppressed of the devil, God was with him. Praise the living God. And this is why he can be acceptable unto God and God the approver of men. That's what I'm saying. Okay, let's move on just a little bit. Now I want to show you something. In terms of distribution, ministry. Second Corinthians chapter 8, you know, these were kind of provisions that were made uh, because of famine in other nations. Christians were having problems and then uh, Paul and others they put some collections together to send to these people. So, I would like to read this from the Living Bible. I'm reading Second Corinthians chapter 8. I'm going to read from verse 19 to 21. But you can read from other translations. But Second Corinthians chapter 8, 19 to 21. Praise the Lord. And the other Bible says, In fact, this man was selected by the churches to travel with me to take the gift to Jerusalem. This will glorify the Lord and show our eagerness to help each other. I want you to know that. Our eagerness to help each other. By traveling together, we will guide against any suspicion. For we are anxious that no one should find fault with the way we are handling this large gift. 21. God knows we are honest. But I want everyone else to know to know it too. 
That is why we have made this arrangement. Now, what I want you to see here is the consign of a group of believers. Remember, there was a prophecy that was going to be famine, Jerusalem, and and the land. And this thing came to be. Agabus made a prophecy even in the days of Apostle Paul. Now, because of that prophecy, that's part of what I was sharing with my brother yesterday. Was it you? I was sharing with him yesterday. When prophecies are given, if it is predictive prophecy, it's actually to prepare you for that which is to come. Agabus made a prophecy that farmer was going to come upon the land. So what happened? Paul spoke to the rest of the Christian body and they begin to bring gift together every Sunday when they come to worship. That is even where part of the Macedonian church was begging Paul to take gift from them. They were preparing against the famine that was going to come in Jerusalem and other places. That is what prophecy actually does. The predictive prophecies prepares you for that which is to come. Are you still there with me? So I want you to see the mind of these people. Just like the Macedonian church. They have to say, man, you have to take from us. The Bible says, out of their deep poverty, they gave. Remember that? Good. They gave out of their deep poverty. What was the concern? The concern was the brethren, not themselves. That's what I'm saying. Every grace you have, the purpose of every grace you have is for the body. It's for men. It's not for yourself. The collection was not made so that they can divide it. The collection was put together because of other people. Hallelujah. Now, I will quickly show you three keys or so to find favor and acceptance. The sight of God. And to get the approval of men. Let's look at this. You will turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 2. Let me start from there. Acts chapter 2. I'll read from verse 4 to verse 47. The Bible says, And all that believed were together, and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men, as every man had need. And they continually daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, eat, eat. They are made with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God. Now look at the next thing. And having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily as so that should be what? Saved. Now the key thing I want you to know this. They find favor with which people? All the people. Because the attention was not self, was the people. Hallelujah. Did you get what I read there? Acts chapter 2. Did you find it? Is it not there? Huh? 44 down to what? 47. Praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church. Daily sought as should be what? Saved. 
Are we there together? I want you to know the word finding favor. How did they find favor? They were ministering to people. Amen? So watch what he said. He that served Christ in this day shall have the acceptance of God and shall find favor with what? With men. How? When your life goes for people, you're going to find people's approval. I mean, God's acceptance and people's approval. Hallelujah. And you see that this ministration, this attitude of this church, which is Christ-like, begin to bring more people to the church. People will find the need to be there. Because, are you getting what I'm talking about? It was not selfish. It was not localized. It was not tribalized. So people could find the need to be there. God wasn't just adding. God was adding and people were staying because the people could find favor. The church could find favor in the sight of men. So sometimes your attitude and the way you minister to people is enough message for people to come to church. Bible says Jesus went about doing good. Amen. <laughs> Praise the living God. So, you see, number one, sharing your life with men based on God's providence will cause you to find favor in the sight of men. As God provides for you, and you share that which is provided with men. You can serve Christ with righteousness and joy. You can serve Christ. If you're serving Christ, you're serving men in the true sense. You can't serve Christ without serving men. Hallelujah. When you lay down your life for the brethren, you lay down your life. You're serving men, but in the true sense, you're serving Christ. But you can't serve Christ without serving men. You serve Christ, serving men. Hallelujah. Are you still there? That's the simple truth. So you can't say, well, I believe in my Lord, I serve my Jesus. No, the scripture has a question. How can you say you love God that you don't see, and the brother you see, you don't love the brother? Have you read that in your Bible? No, that's simple. So how can you say you're serving Christ, and you can't serve your fellow brother? No. That's no scripture. No, 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 no. If you can't love God that you don't see, or you claim to love God you don't see, and yet the man that you see, you can't love the man. Scripture says you are telling lies. Why is it so? Because the man you see is a representative of God that you didn't see. So you serve God as you serve men. And that's why in Matthew 25, began to talk about when I was sick, you didn't visit me. Remember the parable? And he said, when were you sick? Say, you've done this to this little one, you've done it unto me. Somebody is sick in the hospital, you can visit, you pray. No, yes, you can pray. But after prayer, he needs a visit. Somebody needs, you know, he needs a touch. He needs some encouragement. You'll be alright, we are praying for you. Okay. It's not just a prayer. Somebody needs a follow-up. Somebody needs to be touched. Somebody, they need your presence. So he said, when I was in hospital, you didn't visit me. When I was in prison, you didn't come to me. So when were you? He said, well, as long as you never did it to one of these little ones, you have not done it to me. Hallelujah. Let me give you another simple, very strong illustration on that. You find that in the book of Acts, if you read chapter 9, into chapter 10, but chapter 9 in particular, when Paul was picked up on the road to Damascus by Jesus, there was a question he asked him. 
Saul, Saul, why persecuted thou me? Remember that? The question is, where was Jesus that Paul was persecuting? When did you see Paul slap Jesus or insult him? But we know that he was destroying the church. Hallelujah. And the church is his body. He is the head of the church. Ephesians 2. So what you did to the church, you do to him. Is it simple? So he asked him, why persecuted thou me? So it simply means, if you love the church, you also love Jesus. Does that make sense? Whatever you do to the church, you are doing to him because he's the head of the church. It's so simple. So don't take your service too far. Oh, thinking maybe when we, when we get to heaven. You don't need to start going to heaven before you. No, no. You do it now. You want to serve Christ? Serve humanity. Is that okay? Pour your life out to humanity. Pour your life out to Christ. Through the body. No, I will die with my Jesus. No, you don't need to die. He died for you. Serve the body. You want to die with my Jesus? You die for the body, if you will. You already died. Listen, how can you say you love a man or you're serving somebody and you don't love what he loves? How many of you know that Jesus loves his church? Does he love his church? He loves his church. So if he loves his church so much, what are you going to do to prove your love to him? You've got to love his church. Love his body, love humanity. That's what I'm trying to say. Somebody wants to, you want to gain the acceptance of any man, you have to do what he likes or love what he loves. Amen? Praise the Lord. Jesus talking about laying down his life for the brethren or you know, for the church. So if you can lay down his life for the church, it means you love the church. So if you love the church, that means you love Jesus. And Jesus will definitely accept you. Hallelujah. Very simple way. You don't need to, it's not about fasting and praying, and I believe in all of that, but that is not the way you're going to gain acceptance. It's a very simple way. He that serves Christ in this thing, through the righteousness, through the joy, through the peace of the Holy Spirit, will get the acceptance of God and the approval of men. Very simple. You don't need to go too far to do all of that. It's not hiding in the secret place, not being, you know, maybe like a monk somewhere, and then Maybe hiding in a place where people don't see you. And then you think you're going to get God's acceptance. No, 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 no. I believe that one of the things that led the church to the, what we call the dark ages, uh, before the time of Martin Luther, was men who believed so much in God and they feel the society was so corrupt so they have to go and hide in caves to worship God. Now, if the Bible says you, my disciple, are supposed to be the light of the world and you are hiding in caves, that means you took the light of the cave. Then you left the whole nation in darkness. That is how the world came into the, what you call the dark ages. Because the, uh, the Catholic church who picked the Bible, they took all their monks and then went to hiding caves and in, in monasteries. You can't see them. Because the world is corrupt and every good saint to them must not be corrupted by the world. So if you think the world cannot be corrupted by you, therefore you must hide in your own local church or hide in your own house. It simply means the light that's supposed to be the light of the world is hidden in a cave. So the instruction of the Lord is let your light so shine 
that men may see your good works, not in a cave. Does that make sense? That's why your place of work, you got to shine. In your school, you got to shine. Listen to me. The church is not the place for exhibiting what you have. The wall is the place to exhibit what you have. We equip you here, we train you here, we give you the instructions, we lead you on the path of righteousness. You go out and manifest your righteousness. For where people to know that you are truly a Christian, it's not in the church. It's not about speaking in tongues, it's about the life you live outside of the church. Hallelujah. Amen. I was with my, my friend yesterday and then we find that the Bible made us understand something. About the issue of prophecy and prophesying in the book of First Corinthians, chapter 14, I think verse 25. The Bible tells us precisely that if I don't believe I comes into your midst and you prophesy and you're able to let the person know what God is saying, it's like revealing the intent of his heart. The Bible said the man will fall down and worship you and say, Of a truth, God is in your midst. Have you read that in the Bible? That is the power of the Holy Spirit for witnessing. So speaking in tongue and prophesying is not something for church, it's for the streets. Meet somebody who is confused in your place of work and you say, God is telling me this about you. Say, how do you know? Say, the Spirit just told me that you have some problem, but God wants to help you. The next question I'm going to ask you is, where do you worship? Am I right? So the gift is not for church speaking in tongues. It doesn't make sense. Go out there to the streets. And prophesy to the people. See vision for the people. See men getting confused, walking in the street. Tell them what God is saying. They'll follow you to serve your God. The gift is for humanity. Not for demonstration in a church. Amen. Am I against beginning tongues? <laughs> but I want you to understand how these gifts are meant to be operated. Praise the Lord. That's why I found the day of Pentecost when they started speaking in tongues. The Bible said, All those that came from other nations, they begin to hear in their own language. I say, Hey, what is happening? We can hear whatever thing they are saying in our own language, yet we are not one. They got converted because they had in their own language. So the primary purpose there, like I keep saying to you, was for witnessing. You spoke that men were convicted that they came to the Lord. So you don't. I believe in tongues. I know it's for edification, but don't come kill my head, blast me off the stage because of tongues and doing nothing to me. If I can't hear anything we are talking about, you identify yourself. Amen? Hallelujah. That's why I always say when you want us to speak in tongues, put on the, 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 the speakers and put on the keyboard so that you don't hear what I'm saying. Because if I have to speak to edify myself, you don't need to hear what I'm saying. If I want you to hear what I'm saying, I should be able to interpret what I'm saying. That's what the Bible says. So if I can't interpret what I'm saying, you don't need to hear it. Because scripture say to you, I'll be sounding like a barbarian. Barbarian means a foreigner, stranger. Hallelujah. Okay. So here we see what the church began to do. And they find favor with all people. Hallelujah. That's a corporate one. Let's get out of the book of Luke. Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. I'm looking at 39 to 40 and then verse 52. This is about Jesus. 
And when they have performed all these things according to the law of the Lord, that the parents of Jesus brought him to the temple, Jerusalem, they returned into Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. Verse 14. And the child grew and waxed strong, a spirit filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Verse 52. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. Is it there? Good. He that served Christ in this thing, remember? It's acceptable to God and approved of man. Jesus grew in wisdom, in stature, and in favor with God and who? And man. It's our example. Okay, let me read another scripture and I'll tell you the dimensions of the growth that you need to gain this acceptance. First Samuel chapter 2. First Samuel chapter 2, verse 26. First Samuel chapter 2, verse 26. Are you there? The Bible says, And the child Samuel grew on. Understand that. Grew on. And was in favor both with the Lord and also with men. Did you see that? Now, what leads to the growing on is, I mean, to the favor and acceptance is growing on. Now, for, for Samuel, and just like Jesus, the training that Samuel received in the hands of Eli was actually characterized by his development physically, morally, and spiritually. In other words, Samuel, just like Jesus, grew physically as a human being, mentally, and spiritually. Everyone who really needs to come to the place of acceptance of God and approver of men must grow in the three dimensions. You do not only have to grow physically, you must grow mentally and you must grow spiritually. The Bible says grow in stature, in wisdom. Is that okay? Hey, are we together? Good. That is why you need to develop yourself mentally. Watch this. One of the things that mental development will help you do is you really come to the place where you can solve people's problems. Is that okay? That is why you see, okay, let me put it in the natural. You can understand it from this perspective. You are a young man. You are going to grow physically as a human being. And then you finish your secondary school. And then you go to university and then you go to say you become a doctor. Alright? And when you come out of your practice, I mean when you come out of your school and now you're going to be practicing, what are you going to be doing? You're going to be helping humanity. Is that okay? Right? Alright. Now you see, you can only become proficient only because you have developed your mind as a medical doctor. Is that okay? So mentally you have developed. Now you are qualified to minister to people because you are a doctor. 
So if you are just growing as a human being and your mental capacity is not being developed, there is no way you can minister to humanity. And how are you going to get acceptance? You have nothing to offer humanity. But he who grows physically and they grow mentally become a solution provider. And they will get human acceptance. It's even a natural dimension. And then you grow in the spiritual dimension, just like I'm saying, that you can solve people's problems also spiritually. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature. And watch this. He went about doing good. Jesus didn't start healing at the age of 12. Remember that? But it was in the temple with the doctors. That was mental capacity and spiritual development. So if you really want to come to the place where you can have human acceptance by reason of what you can offer, you must grow, not only in stature, you must grow mentally, and you must grow spiritually. Why? Because men have problems that need solutions. Until you start solving people's problems, you can have the acceptance. What use? You just occupying space and somebody wants to dance around you. Is it possible? Come on, talk to me. Is that possible? No. People want solution because the whole world is full of problems. Your size is not the issue. No, 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 no. Your mental capacity and your spiritual strength. That's what people are looking for. And if you can offer that, they will accept you. Hallelujah. Are you sitting with me? Why do you want people to come around you when you have no answer to their problems? They won't come. Even if you want them to worship you, they won't worship you. <laughs> because you have no solution to their problems. Men want solution. Are you there with me? That's what, why do you think people were looking for Jesus even when he went to the mountains? Anywhere he was going, people were going. Why were they going there? He was not only solving their spiritual problem, he was only providing food. <laughs> Is that okay? That's what I'm saying. He grew mentally, physically, and spiritually. That is the way it should be. And you have men's acceptance. Don't joke with what I'm talking to you tonight. Why do you think they were looking for him? He entered the boat, they will be crossing. They know that he was the reservoir of solution. We will go there. Anywhere he went to, they will find their way there. If he can't heal us, he will give us food. Hallelujah. Where you can't provide for humanity, who wants to look for you? No. no matter. You see, it's not a matter of boasting. That's what I'm sorry to say. We'll find some country today. Huh? We'll find some country today. It's not a matter of bossy. It's not a matter of being a doctor. It's the solution that we are looking for. Huh? Your title is not what we're after. We want solution. Men want solution. And when you can't provide solution, they don't need you. Moses was bringing the people from Egypt. When hunger came in, they rejected this man until he provided the water and the food. Why did you bring us here to come and destroy us? Should have left us in Egypt. They wanted solution. So at that moment, he was rejected. Are you getting what I'm talking about? But when he provided the food, he got acceptance again. That's why you must grow. 
mentally, spiritually. If you can offer physical solution, offer spiritual solution. The medical doctor does not have money to give to you, but he can inject your vein. He has a solution. Are you getting what I'm talking about? So don't tell me you don't know what to do. Develop your mental capacity. That is the issue. Develop your brain. Become somebody by the use of your brain. Are you, are you here with me tonight? I'm very excited about it because when I was studying it, a lot of things have to go through my mind. That's the, that's the need. What's the reason why you have to read your book? You have to read your Bible. You have to develop. If you can't go to university, develop your spiritual capacity. The men that God is using today, they are not doctors. They didn't even go to university. Develop your spiritual capacity. You can't miss the two at the same time. Are you there with me? One of the men respected in this country didn't go to university. I'm sure you know. I don't want to call names here. They didn't go to university, but the whole world is flying to go and meet him. That's spiritual capacity. So don't miss out in both ways. Spiritually, you are not there. Physically, you are not there. Mentally, you are not there. God forbid. <laughs> Hallelujah. If you don't have money, how spirit? After all, the spirit is free. Amen. You only need to sit down with the world, study the world, develop your spiritual capacity, and the world will look for you. Don't tell me you don't know what to do. My parents didn't train me. It's not the answer. That man I'm talking about, primary six. I don't know if he has secondary school. <laughs> Are you still there with me? But he developed his spiritual capacity. And the whole world is looking for him. When you have solution, the world will look for you. So grow. Look at what he said. He that serves Christ in this is acceptable to God and approved of men. Because there are solution providers. Then will develop your brain, develop your brain, develop your brain, develop your mind. Are you there with me? Praise the Lord. Want to go to school? Go to school. Be a medical doctor. Be a lawyer. Come to the place where you can have an answer for people who are missing out on something. You must develop physically, mentally, and spiritually to be able to meet the Lord's needs and that of humanity in order to find favor and acceptance with both God and who? And man. Hallelujah. Are you still there with me? Praise the living God. Do you like this tonight? Let's read one more scripture. Our time is gone. Proverbs 3. Proverbs 3. Proverbs 3. Hmm. Now I would like to read this Proverbs 3 from verse 1. One, two, four. I, I would like to read from the message on the the message on the living Bible. Are you there in Proverbs three, verse one to four? Good friend, don't forget all I've taught you. Say thank you, Pastor. <laughs> don't forget all I've taught you. Take to heart my commands. They will help you live a long, long time. A long life, live full and well. And verse number three. Don't lose your grip on love and loyalty. 
which is mercy and truth. Don't lose your grip on what? Love and loyalty. Tie them around your neck. Carve their initials on your heart. Any reputation for living well in God's eyes and the eyes of the people. What will make you live this? Love and loyalty. Which is mercy and truth, according to King James. You will have the acceptance of God and the approval of men. Mercy to people. Loyalty, truth to God. Okay, let me read it from the Living Bible. My son, never forget the things I've taught you. If you want a long and satisfying life, closely follow my instructions. Never tire of loyalty and kindness. Hold this virtue tightly. Write them deeply within your heart. If you want favor with both God and man, and a reputation for good judgment and common sense, then trust the Lord completely. Don't ever trust yourself. Verse 5 I've read there. Verse number 6 says, And in everything you do, put God first. And He will direct you and crown your effort with what? With success. Hallelujah. So if you want God's acceptance, love, which is mercy to humanity, and truth, which is righteousness, because Christ is our righteousness, Christ is the truth, towards God, you're going to have the approval of men and the acceptance of God. Anywhere in the world, there is no way men can hate you if you can walk in these three dimensions of God's love. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God bless you.